Welcome to The Real Photo Show. My guest today is mixed media artist Shay Dutar, and we are going to take a pretty deep dive into her debut monograph, Another World, published by Skeleton Key Press. Uh, we're going to talk about her process from selecting locations and inviting women to be photographed to hand-painting the final images. And we'll talk about how this book is a celebration of the female form, but also an introspective look at loss and recovery from what Shay will describe as a repressive religious experience. Now, this episode is a bit longer than our usual episodes, but Shay is an amazing storyteller. She shares so much of her life and what went into making this book. And we just have a fantastic conversation. And I lost track of time. <laughs> but I could have talked to Shay for another hour. Uh, so I will quickly say that this podcast is sponsored by the Charcoal Book Club, a monthly subscription service for photo book enthusiasts and a fantastic way to build your photo book collection. So visit them at charcoalbookclub.com. And I will keep this introduction short because it is a little bit of a longer episode. So thank you for listening. Enjoy the show, and we will talk soon. Well, hello, Shay. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, nice to see you. You as well. So I'm really excited to talk about your book, Another World, uh, but also about your story about how you, you got to where you are, because I, it's really interesting. And as a little teaser... Because I was so surprised, I was caught off guard by the fact that your book isn't just about celebrating women's bodies and, you know, expression and this idea of, of a you know, healthy acceptance of yourself. There's, it's also about loss and grieving. And that yes. really caught me off guard. And so we're going to come back to that. But before... <laughs> <laughs> it's quite beautiful. Okay. It's Aww. quite beautiful. Yeah. Um, it surprised me as well. I can't. I get the sense of that mm -hmm. by the way you express that in the book, and we are we will talk about that. <laughs> but before we do, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? You have a pretty interesting background as well. So I I, I know you were homeschooled. Yeah. Well, no, since thirteen. Yeah. Okay. Right. So I didn't and, go to high school. Right. Which my husband lets me know all the time. <laughs> Because like, I'll have experiences that I should have had in high school, but I'll have them mm. as like, like in my 30s, I had the first like mean girls situation. He's like, oh, Shay, no. if you would have dealt with this in high school, this would be no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> so that happens a lot. And he's just like, oh, if you had just mm -hmm. gone to high school. <laughs> <laughs> what did your folks do for a living? So my mom was a housewife. Um, mm -hmm. and she had four kids, so it was a lot. Um, yeah. and my dad has a company. So my, my grandfather's from Iran, but he's Armenian. And so when he was going to go to college, he just, he found somehow found Lafayette college, which is in the small town in Pennsylvania. And he didn't speak English. Like he did the mm -hmm. whole like move here, learn everything. And he started a business in the either the late 40s or the 50s called Acopian, which is my maiden name, Acopian. And it's elect electrical engineering. I don't know. It's like they make power supplies. Mm -hmm. Companies like 
like NASA uses them and like Spielberg. So like anything big, like I remember there was an arena once that like the power went out or something. So they came to my, my family's company is So these are industrial generator power supply units. I honestly don't understand. They're like the kind you truck in or something. I I don't know if they're big or small, but I know they power big things. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing is like when everyone started going over to China and all these other countries, they, they kept it here. So they <laughs> their oh. slogan has always been, we ship in three days. That's great. <laughs> and hey, it like that, hasn't that changed. Out. Yeah. 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 It's cute. Yeah. And, and I imagine your father was, I, might, I think I have the timeline right, a second generation Armenian diaspora. Yeah. Yeah. So my grandmother, my grandmother, um, I actually don't know her. She was adopted. So like, I don't know her, her lineage, but she's Mm. not, she's not Armenian. So my, I grew up with only Armenian culture because my mom's side of the family, we weren't really that close to. So Mm -hmm. I don't look Armenian. (laughs) I'm like (laughs) at all. My dad doesn't really. Um, but my, my cousins, like my uncle married an, a woman from Iran who's Armenian. So like, it's just sort of stayed in our family. And, oh, and okay. I, I have like all this love for a culture. I've, I've never been to Armenia. I haven't been to Iran yet. Like someday, like Perezhinov, the, the director, like that's the closest, like I, oh, I love <laughs> his, like the, the color of pomegranate, pomegranates. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. <gasps> no. Uh, I'm putting you I'm it need down. to watch it a <laughs> and B your students all need to watch it all right it, I mean it will kill you in terms of color like it is oh my god okay, I can't well, believe you haven't seen it after we're done we'll talk more about that <laughs> we will right. you'll you'll uh, yeah you'll remind me at the end of the show okay uh so there are two introductions to the book, uh, one by Azu Nawag Bogu, and I yeah. might be mispronouncing that, and, and the Thomas. other by Th- the great Thomas Warner. Oh, you um, know him? Well, I know of Thomas Warner. Oh, sweetheart. <laughs> I mean, if you, you should have both of them on here. I would love that. Both of if them. either are... of you are listening, uh, open invitation. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do an intro. They're both okay. the most amazing men. Well... Uh, I love the way uh, Azu writes about your work, and I love the way Thomas Warner writes about your your life and your work. Very um, different, so, right? Uh, so different, yeah. but I found a real commonality, and I'll, I'll Did get to you? that too. Oh, yeah. You're going to love it. <laughs> That's why I included both, because I was like... Yeah, no, no, they overlap. So <laughs> there's, real, there's overlap. It's wow. very different, very different, but they overlap. Um, mm. So from reading uh, Thomas Warner's essay, you also were a model in Milan for a bit. Yeah, I know. It's hard to believe. Um, it's not hard to believe. It's just, I don't often speak to artists who are also models. Because I don't look like a model anymore. Um, I don't. It's funny. I like hate even saying it because I know people are like, really? <laughs> that is but not at I all. was. I don't know. Yeah. So when I was like, when I was probably 12 or 13, I kept getting scouted and I... Around, I think, 13, IMG was going to take me, which is like, at the time, I was really into fashion, and IMG had everyone, every supermodel under the sun. And so we went for, like, test shoots you do for your book to build your book. And, you know, back then, they didn't have the same policies they have now for protecting children in the fashion industry. They didn't have the same they didn't even take care of people who were of age i feel like it was just a Mm. it was like the wild west back then for fashion and so they put me in what now i think is like the most 
fucking amazing jumpsuit. And I remember like Kate Moss was in it. It was Versace. <laughs> but I was 13 and it came down, oh. showed my butt crack, almost showed my nipples. And my mom was like, um, what? Uh-huh. And then the second outfit... Because she was like, take it off. They put me in a see-through top and she's like, okay, we're, we're leaving. Well, I, and I do remember that sort of period of, in fashion. For I think when I remember that, it was more late 80s kind of... Uh, well, this was like re- the 90s, early... This was, what, mid-90s, I guess. Mid-90s, yeah. But, and, and, and there were. There were a lot of teens being treated, like, oh. hypersexualized. Yes. Uh, it was just a kids. different... Like, yeah. people now are like, what? I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. telling you, <laughs> this is a true story. So my mom said... You can do this when you graduate. You can do the acting stuff. So I leaned into the acting after that. Mm -hmm. I started doing uh, classes since I homeschooled classes every week in the city. And then I was doing full summers at Stage Door Manor, which was like a theater camp. And so that just became I got an agent, did commercials, you know. Yeah. Things that just became my thing. I bring this up because I think it it is connected to the work you're doing now. Yeah, I didn't come back to modeling until I graduated. Mm-hmm. And then I did it for a short period of time, but only because, yeah, I was in Milan and my roommate saw my creative diary, which was like my collages and painted collages. And she was mm-hmm. like, you should go to art school. And I'm like, really? Yes. <laughs> well, I'm going to jump backwards a little bit because you did as a child, used to cut up magazines and do yeah. collage work. In some of the magazines you ended up being featured in. (laughs) With some of the magazines you ended up being featured in. It's so cool. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know where I found that. Like, I don't know where I picked that up. But, you know, I was in the East Village all the time. Back then, it wasn't the great mass exodus to Brooklyn, like, you know, has happened Mm -hmm. in the last 20 years. Back then, the East Village was the spot. That was, like, where everyone creative really hung out. So, I was, that was where I always was. And... You grew I don't up know. in Manhattan? No, so I grew up oh, okay. an hour and 20 minutes outside the city in oh, wow. in Easton. It's like right on the border of New Jersey. And then I was there ev- pretty much every week. So mm-hmm. I, w- I would be there, f- you know, for three days a week, sometimes five days a week with my teacher because I actually had a teacher. So oh, my mom, okay. <laughs> my mom right. teaching is like, yeah, <laughs> I love my mom, okay. but... <laughs> that would have been a nightmare. No, oh, I they, did. I did. I did assume it was your mom. No, homeschooling you. I had oh, okay. this incredible woman who just she loved literature and she loved history. So mm-hmm. we would read like almost thirty books a year. Like we we went really hardcore. I went off of a curriculum that was a private school that I had been going to before that. Mm-hmm. So it was a tough curriculum, but we we got to add on. So I really leaned into things like history and literature. So she was with me all those days that I was, you know, in the city. Like, it was cool because I could do voice. Uh, I had a voice coach from Juilliard, you know, like oh, yeah. this, it counted as school. So right, I, right. I could do speech and diction. I like, it was a really interesting way. No, to, you had your own up. kind of open curriculum. And so you were, yeah. you were in Manhattan, you could... <laughs> Yeah. You had access to a and lot of uh, all my friends lived there because I went to theater camp the entire summer Oh, and they okay. were all in Manhattan. So like I really grew up in New York and Pennsylvania, but I, it's mm-hmm. like I would sleep in Pennsylvania, but I like, I didn't know any streets in Pennsylvania. My teacher, we didn't have cell phones back then. So she would not, she wouldn't tell me where to go. She would say, okay, oh, wow. here's our addresses. You have to find it. So I learned New York. Like I know New York city better than any city in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And this, so, by the way, yeah. this dual uh, 
dual habitat uh, continues today, right? Yes, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) I still, yeah, I still live part in the city and part in Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. I just like city mouse, country mouse. I really love both. (laughs) I really do. I do as well. I do as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you're, you, you mentioned your friend in Milan sees your, your journal, which is your art book, uh, yeah. a kind of portfolio. It's a diary. A diary, yes. It's really just a diary with poems and the worst writing ever, like a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> with all of these fashion magazines cut up, painted on, like a, a very childish version of whatever I started doing when I started mm-hmm. at 30. It's a sketchbook. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And, but that leads you to apply to the School of Visual Arts, my mm-hmm. alma mater. Oh, really? Um, yes, I did. Uh, I, I have my undergraduate in photography from SVA. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. But you enter as a graphic design major. Uh, yes. Big <laughs> mistake. Re- well, I didn't know because I, I had never thought about art. And she right. said, she specifically said, David Carson who at the time was like, he had Ray Gun, which is no longer a magazine, but like it was so, Photoshop was just beginning in those days. Mm -hmm. And so people were doing really interesting things with Photoshop, but like it was very, it felt a little punk rock with mixing it with new technology. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, so it was kind of, yes. Sejmeister or something. I forget his last name. Oh, I forget. Like I remember he came in as a lecturer and like his big thing was like, he wrote, with a razor blade on his stomach and like that was his, oh. the font like it was very <laughs> <laughs> it's like early days we didn't have very the internet performance the way art, very yeah. punk art yeah, yeah it yeah, just yeah. we didn't yeah. have instagram we didn't have all these we didn't have pinterest like if you were right. creating something or you were interested in something you had to either create it on your own discover it on your own find mm-hmm. it go to the library or you back. were performing it in the east village <laughs> do you remember the picture yeah. library did you no. used to use them? Well, like back then we didn't have Google. So if you needed a reference for a photo, you'd go to the picture library, which was near Bryant Park. It was like 40, oh, maybe 40th okay. Street. And so that that was where students would go, you know, because isn't that crazy? Like, yeah, we didn't have the Internet to do that. You couldn't mm-hmm. just find it. <laughs> yes, we go to libraries. We would literally spend days at the picture library trying to find things to, to I don't even know if we could scan them in. We might have been able to scan in at that mm. point. But yeah, it was very hands on. But then the second year, my teachers all actually really let me get away with what I was doing, which was all like by hand. And mm-hmm. I was actually top of my class, which is surprising. But I think, honestly, like like my one teacher, she was a designer at Perry Ellis. And she like immediately was hired me to do some designs. And I was like, what? Like, I feel like I had the same spirit I have now, which is just like, I don't know anything or I know a lot now. But like, I don't know anything, but I don't care. And I'm just playing. And I think that served me really well. I think it did. Once yeah. they were like, you have to use fonts and text. And I was like, I'm out. <laughs> I, was, I quit. Well, and I, I went, the, went back to modeling. I would say that you are still unbound by tradition. Kind, kind of, yeah. I mean, it influences your work. There's definitely a tradition. I'll tell you. Work. Yeah. When I went, when I stopped in 2017 to go to classical oil painting school, mm-hmm. I turned into a fucking shit show. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, if you were to ask Mm -hmm. my teachers at this tiny little, like, atelier, because I went to an atelier, they were like, she's nuts. Because all of a sudden, this spirit that I have with my other work, which is just, like, so free and in the moment, Mm -hmm. I was a psychopath. I was like, I'm terrible. Like, everything I did was not good enough. 
I'm looking around, which I never do. I don't look at anybody's uh, work except yeah. painters, but I don't look at my peers and, you know, judge myself. I don't do that. Mm-hmm. I was looking and I was like, my drawing will never be like that. Because I think the thing is with a classical traditional painting school, you spend two years drawing, they won't even let you paint. And you have mm-hmm. to make that thing that you're drawing look like the exact thing. And you cannot move from that cast or that the eye of David that you're drawing. Mm-hmm. You cannot move from that, whether it's been a month or two months until the teacher's like, it's perfect. It just did this like crazy I had, I, I don't know what it did to me, but I... It's a traditional style of Dude, it, of it kind art, of fucked yeah. me up, and I just would mm-hmm. go home crying every day. <laughs> My <laughs> husband looks at that period of time like he wants to forget it, but for me, even though I still am not a great... I can't... I'm not a good draftsman. I, I don't paint, even paint well. But what it did for me is I only did two years because the lockdown happened and classes stopped. And I feel like... I stopped because my husband was like, hey, I need you to start helping out with bills because I was in school for two years Uh, Mm -hmm. because of the pandemic. His tour was canceled. You know, it was like we were we had to pay rent and nobody could leave their house. What what does your husband do for? He's a film composer and um, and he also tours in a band called the Juliana Theory. Oh, okay. Yeah. So his whole tour, which was going to like basically pay for our year. Because he he, we had an agreement that he would he's so sweet, like he would cover me the three years Mm -hmm. in school. But he basically was like, you know, can you start getting back to photo? So that summer out of lockdown was the first time I'd really taken a photo in two years. Like I'd maybe done a little. Well, we skipped, we skipped a part. We did? (laughs) Uh, You had some downtime away from art where you you were selling vintage items. Oh, before I got married. When I got married. Yeah. You were living, you were living in Manhattan? Yeah. We, we got married I think I was like 27 and he mm-hmm. hates New York City. So uh, we had been dating seven years and it was kind of like this. Do we just break up? Like you don't want to live where I want to live. But I like he's my love. And I was like, fine, I'll leave the city. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, all right, we'll find somewhere else to move. But my sister had a house like down the street from my parents. She's like, you can use it for a short In period Easton. of time. In Easton. So I was like, Mm -hmm. all right, so let's just move into this house and we'll figure out where to go next. So I didn't know what to do for money because I had my whole life had been in the city and I was basically leaving. So I just started selling what I had nearby, which is I've been collecting vintage since I was like 12 or 11. These are antique items? Yeah, like anything from the 30s. Well, I mean, I have pieces older than the 30s, but 30s to like Mm -hmm. 70s mostly. Because back then, thrift stores were really cheap. And you'd come away from a thrift store with two huge black bags full for like... Oh, I was a big thrifter. Right? Like $15 for all that. I don't know if I've ever said this on the show. I was a collector of Fire King uh, What's Fire King? It was uh, kitchenware, glassware, that they would give away at gas stations in the 50s when you filled (gasps) up your tank. And I used to collect that They would give it away? Yeah, it was was like a a reward for using that gas station. So you would get what a, happened you, to those you, you days? Would, you, would, you would you would work your way up to a set of plates and a set of cups. That's and so a crazy. Of bowls, yeah. We so need I, to br- we need to bring that kind of stuff back. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, thrifters used to be amazing, but mm-hmm. now one dress is like twenty dollars, and you're like, what? Everybody realized Come that on. people are willing to pay more. Yeah. It's yeah. Well, yeah. I probably was part of the problem because I started selling <laughs> on eBay, which was the thing right. at the time. eBay emptied out the good stuff i mean honestly that that's what killed vintage in my opinion thrift Mm -hmm. stores 
Um, so yeah, I did really well actually. Like we ended up moving to LA and we <laughs> like lived in the Hollywood Hills. But it was a very stressful job. So was LA because of the work your husband does? And and your husband's name is Brett. Brett. Brett, Brett Datar. That's where I got the Okay. D- so, so so this is because of the work Brett does. That's how you end up in LA. Yeah. He just we were gonna try Nashville. Um, mm-hmm. He wasn't a film composer at that point. He was still in his band, The Juliana Theory. And I I think his band had just ended for a period, and he was just like, let's try Nashville, and let's try L.A. And we just we went to L.A. So this won't surprise anyone. We we ha- we actually had a really nice discussion yesterday, <laughs> <laughs> it just setting up for today's show. But you did not like L.A. I don't. I mean, I mm-hmm. I don't want to offend anyone. Like I I lived there for so long, so when I go there, it, there's a piece of me that feels like it's at home. Like I know all the streets, and I have really some amazing friends there but I think that I need seasons like I know that Mm -hmm. I need seasons and I really love the vibe of people outside of LA (laughs) LA is (laughs) tough it's like I have some really great friends but it took a long long time to find that and I just feel like I'm not a schmoozy type person I've never been good at, like, I am really social. You could tell, like, I like to talk. So, like, mm-hmm. networking shouldn't be a problem for me. But what's the problem for me with networking is I don't like going somewhere and knowing that I need to talk to this person because yes. I want something from them. Like, yes, to yes, me, yes. I'd rather go and find the one person in the room that no one will talk to. And I'd rather That's talk to right. that person. That's you right. Know, I'm, like, I'm, I'm so the same way. I, I, I believe in networking, but I don't think it shouldn't be, a, you know, you run in and you find the person that you need something from and then try yeah. to make a connection with that person. There needs to be a building up. It's tricky. Something. And I'm and yeah. I'm I'm bad at that. I think it's because my family has always been extremely private and they don't like to like I to mm-hmm. me it feels like using people and I don't think that people that do it well are always using people. I think some people like my cousin is so good at networking but for him it's just so genuine. And right. he just genuinely would go up to anybody. But for me it's like like I've ha- I had this happen during the lockdown. An agency in Paris approached me and I w- I was like wow because agencies never approach me cuz I feel like my work is scary to most brands. And They were like, we know you're friends with this one model who's like a supermodel and we want you to like hit her up and have her do something and then give it to this editor. And I was like, listen, I am actually good friends with this person, but I'm friends with that person. Like, I'm not going to go and be like, hey, can you do this thing? Like we Uh could shoot together because we've done that before, but like, I'm not going to do that and ask for this favor in this way like it just Mm -hmm. that's not why we're friends like we're friends because we're friends like you know so i Mm -hmm. i'm really like strong about stuff like that and it's just yeah i don't know like like i said it's it's probably bad like it probably doesn't help me but the thing i tell my (laughs) students is that um it's not a bad word networking but you do need to find someone that you truly respect and really appreciate what they do and you're hoping they appreciate what you're doing. That's really what it comes down to. I've had um, bookers and um, agents contact me to have their clients and artists on the show. Mm, Um, And these are, and when it's done right, these are people who've listened to the show and they, you know, they, they know what the show is. 
right? Yeah. So, so that's, you know, that's showing some, some respect for what I do. And, and, you know, I look at who, who they'd like, like me to have on the show and I love what they do. And that's, that's some, that's very easy. But see, that's so, organic. Networking. I feel like. Yes, it that, is. Organic. You know, yeah. that's not, you're trying to like weasel your way in because you know, this mm-hmm. person is there. I just feel like there's a difference. And in LA, I think it's a lot of who do you know? Who's your dad? Yeah. Who's your, you know, like. It's not all of LA, but there's a lot of that. And I just no, no. don't, I, don't it's, like it. It's probably way more <laughs> aggressive in LA, I imagine. <laughs> and also maybe like I just find the wrong people. Like I feel like if you're a creative, you end up in these circles where there's the artists that aren't like that and the artists that are, you know, and I don't know. Yeah. And and you've done fairly well with the, the PR for this book. Uh, and, and being, and, you know, like we mentioned earlier, being featured in magazines that you truly loved as a child and as growing up. So I think that's pretty genuine. Not, that with, not without hustle. Like no PR person would take me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, to be if, real, uh, I literally, hustle. I mean, I literally reached hustle. out to like every PR person, uh, which I'd never done because I've always gotten press <laughs> just naturally. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, nobody would take me. So I was like, all right, I will do this. <laughs> <laughs> and you did. And I did. But that's different, by the way. That's different than going to like a party or a dinner. Oh, completely. Just, yeah. So you're, you're selling vintage items. Where are you when you're doing that? Is that LA or is that in yep, Pennsylvania? Yeah, we were in Beachwood Canyon. Okay, so that, that's there. And we're then, in LA. And then you, you suffer a loss. You lose a pet. Crumbles, yeah. And Crumbles. this is when you have a kind of change in your life, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of a couple things. Um, do you remember the beginning of blogs? Oh, like, absolutely, yeah. Okay, so it was right yeah. around then. And so my store, which was called Lully Vintage. So mid-2000s, early yeah, 2000s? Yeah, I mean, it was pr- yeah. probably, like the year I quit was probably 2007, two, mm-hmm. maybe 2008, but probably 2007. And I had a blog for my store. And I think because my husband saw me taking photos, like I would model the clothes sometimes. So I think he just saw me taking self portraits and he was like, you're kind of good at this. Like maybe you could do that. <laughs> Cause I quit my, I quit the day she died. I was oh, just, okay. I mean, it was a lot. That was a, honestly, it was a lot of work. So I was just like, huh, that's interesting. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe I'll do that. So I just, I don't know. I just started like looking at books on photography and, you know, bought a camera. Actually, my brother got me a Mamiya RZ67. That was the first camera I shot on, um, which I love that camera. I built a dark room in my bath. Well, actually, no, my closet. It was in my closet. And it was connected, like, to the bathroom. So I had a sink. And I just started, yeah, taking photos. And it it was photography you turned to. Yeah. It seems like you could have turned to a number of things, right? Well, because he you were doing drawing, you're doing painting, you were, yeah. I didn't know what to do. I, I actually even thought about doing like um, a blog on fashion. So like, I remember we had moved back to New York City right after Crumbles died. And I was starting to go to the fashion shows and like take pictures of people, like street fashion photos. And I, I just didn't like it. Hmm. It was really just for a blog. Like I started getting I, a blogger agency picked me up because it was the beginning of all of that. Mm-hmm. And so I was in a coach campaign. Uh, was it coach? Yeah, it was coach campaign because I was taking pictures of myself in clothes. Like, because I don't know, I just had always been very creative with clothes. So I just didn't know what to do. And then that's so when it, it was a fashion based blog. <laughs> it's so cringy now when you look at influencers. <laughs> but yes, it was. <laughs> 
it's all right. We all, but we all do it was, different things. But here's yes. the problem. I would have fucking failed at that because I'm not into designer stuff. So mm. it was all vintage. So that <laughs> I feel like the lady really got frustrated with me. She would try to like <laughs> connect oh, me with these brands. And I was just right, like, but right, everything right. I do is vintage. And she was just like, oh my God, <laughs> this girl. But you do, you do end up getting some work with your photography. Uh, some fashion yeah. work, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I started learning on my own, taught myself. I was shooting black and white and colorizing them at the time, uh, mm. which I didn't like. I ended up not liking because I didn't want it to feel historical or vintage, mm-hmm. even though I was like vintage queen. Um, <laughs> I really didn't want it to feel that way. So I start, that's when I started trying to find like all these different papers and different paints to do it with. But during that period, I was still using the worst goddamn papers. Like when I think back about <laughs> it, I'm like, oh God. And I were think- you, Were you using looked, photographic paper at this time? I was when I was doing the darkroom prints, yeah. Because oh, yeah. people who colorize photos in the darkroom, like Sawdeck, do you know? Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, so yeah. like that would be Marshall oils on right, silver exactly. gelatin or- yes. Or even like you could do that with brome oil or, you know, all these different alternative processes. And that's what I was doing. But I switched and I started trying to figure out different papers, like watercolor paper, all these different papers. And I stumbled Mm -hmm. on watercolor, which is what I use now. It took me honestly, like probably three years of trying out all kinds of papers and finding the right ones. But at the time I was just using just the worst paper ever. And it really Mm. makes a difference in how things look. But that's when I got Aritzia. No idea how they found me. Probably just through my blog. Because I was posting. Unfortunately, I was posting everything I made. As mm. terror, and I was a beginner. So, like, <laughs> that shit's still out there. And it's so <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> Listen, there are a lot of blogs <laughs> that are still out there. mortifying. <laughs> like, was, when people Google your name. And it's like. I think I was following more kind of um, uh, street photography. Oh, yeah. Kind of uh, blogs. Black and white photography blogs. Oh, that's yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Classy. <laughs> Classy stuff. <laughs> Well, if you like, Google my name and you find the old stuff, you'll be like, oh, Shay. <laughs> but that's how you start. It's just back in the day, it wasn't online and forever online, you know, mm-hmm. like, but it's, yeah, it's really bad work. But somehow this, this company, Aritzia, which is like huge, wanted me to do a billboard on Broadway in Soho. Ah. Uh, and I was like, I don't even like I'd never even made a scan bigger than eight and a half by 11 at that point. So I was like, wait, mm-hmm. how how do I do something big enough for you to blow it up for a, a <laughs> That's billboard? That's a pretty intimidating <laughs> first job. A Not billboard. only that, but the guy <laughs> and I told him this afterwards because mm-hmm. I was sort of like, OK, fake it till you make it. It was my first job, by the way, yeah. you know, like. He yeah. was like, if you fuck up, he actually said, fuck up. If you fuck up, I can lose my job. And I oh, was wow. like, what? Why would he tell you that? <laughs> I don't know. I was like, oh my Thanks God. Thanks for the pep talk. It was so much pressure. So there was that. So I really was just like, okay, I've got this. I've got this. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> but they ended up loving it. So I was like, okay. That's good. Uh, yeah. And I, I mean, I think I got paid. It was a campaign and a billboard. I got paid $1,000. So, you know, you learn that too. (laughs) Yes, yes. 
<laughs> oh my god yeah and like i don't even think they covered my expenses and i traveled I'm sh- you probably to the- lost money yes oh i definitely if maybe i broke even i mean <laughs> oh, but these are all things you learn along mm-hmm. the way well then yeah. you you have another experience in this industry that does lead you to this work as well meeting with i think it was two ad executives or two art directors yeah. or something like that that was a little bit later but yeah that was probably okay you know, actually that was probably around the same time because i i started mm-hmm. i think i did a show um at stephen Kasher gallery which i don't think it's there anymore um, no Kasher gallery closed just before the Aww, pandemic yeah maybe, i think I, f- yeah. I feel like steven yep. told me recently though he's still doing like select things he's in he's an incredible guy um mm-hmm. We were kind of, I feel like we were kind of an experiment for him. So he had like, I think there were five of us. It was, we were all women artists and uh, Andy, there was this woman named Andy Potamkin and she wanted to sort of do an offshoot on the side of his, that was still his gallery. There was was a main gallery in a smaller room. That's right. And so they, they used both sides to do the show called Pheromone Hotbox and Mm. It was actually a really big show. There was like crazy lines at, around the corner. <laughs> and it was because it was like five. I was the oldest one, I think, but you know, five young-ish female artists, mostly all shooting, mostly nudes, in different mm-hmm. in different ways. So it was it was kind of like a really cool show, and it put me on the map. Honestly, oh, that's great. It put oh, me on the yeah. map. Like two weeks later, New York Magazine wanted me to do like a whole editorial painting like i shot like halsey and like all these different pop oh, that's fantastic pop type stars whatever like p- people that mm-hmm. were like coming up because she wasn't a, like she was big but she wasn't like halsey is now you know um so they were like emerging i guess and i shot them in the studio and then cut them up collaged you know and, and i did that and then i just started getting a ton of press from that like i feel like that show put us all on the map really and then yeah. that that's when i start was meeting with some agents and yeah, those two guys. <laughs> I mean, I'm, we'll tell that story. I'm grateful. Yeah, yeah. I'm grateful they said this, but they they sat me down and, you know, I had printed out this nice portfolio, like, you know, how you're supposed to. And I wasn't expecting, like, I, I just assumed that everyone would say no. You know, like, I, I wasn't expecting much, but, like, <laughs> they literally said that, you know, if I continued to photograph the women that I was photographing, that I would never succeed literally said that and i and i i was like paused for a second and i can like if someone says something really aggressive i I can sort of just be like aggressive not aggressive but i'll just say my mind i'm an Mm -hmm. an aries (laughs) so you know i but i was really taken back by that because i i was looking at these images and i feel like these women are so beautiful but what they were really saying and i said this recently in a video i made was that they really just were saying you are only you are not only photographing one type of woman, which is the model figure, you know, the, the mm-hmm. classical, perfect, whatever the beauty standard is in America for models, or maybe in Europe too, for just in the modeling industry, size zero, whatever it is these days, that's not what you're doing. And so they just shot it down. And, and I, you know, I, I understood what they were saying, but I was just like, cool, then that's not what I want to do. So I just stopped right. reaching out to agents and I just thought, all right, well, I'm a fine artist now. 
<laughs> That's what I went with. <laughs> <laughs> well, you because you were already photographing women with different body types. Yeah, yeah. At, I mean, right, I right. was raised with like my mom and my sister. I'm really thin. I mean, now that I'm in my 40s, I have to work for it. Like I have to work out and I eat really healthy. Um, <laughs> Same here. <laughs> but that didn't that didn't hit me until probably I hit 40. Like I've always eaten mm-hmm. anything and I'm really thin. So yeah. my I think I get that from my dad and like my mom and my sister really struggled. So. You know, in in the '90s, especially, I would go to stores, and it would there was nothing available except for this one store called Lane Bryant. And oh, that's I, right, yeah. right? Lane Bryant, maybe Macy's sometimes, but they weren't hip. They weren't like what a girl would want to dress. So if you were, yeah, they would they would call them plus sizes. Yeah, but it, but even if it was plus size, it was like maybe there'd be two two outfits that were cool. Like, there was right, right, nothing. Right. There were, I, like, stodgy business clothes yes, and things like that. It right? was yeah, awful. Yeah. And, like, I I can't tell you, I grew up going to these places, like, sitting in the corner while my, my mom would shop or my sister. You know, and I, I that had to have just really affected me because as soon as I started shooting people, I was like, I think I shot a couple models, and I was like... You know, it's great. They are so gorgeous. Almost like it's almost distracting in a way. But it's like I really (laughs) wanted I wanted something for everybody. And I think that's simply because I was raised seeing what that Mm -hmm. was like. Now everything is so inclusive. Like now my mom and she could shop anywhere. And it's like, right. Awesome. So it's like really amazing now. Yeah. The fashion industry has really opened up. It's so cool. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. cool. Yep. And and commercials and media and movies yeah. and the whole industry. I actually had someone. Um, <laughs> I don't really care what people say, negative or positive. I, I love that. Do you know that Georgia O'Keeffe quote where she's like, I've settled it for myself. So what is it? Flattery and criticism go down the same drain. And I'm quite free. I oh, yes. love you that quote. quote. That. I do all the time. It's like, I live, yes, yes, yes. I live by it. <laughs> <laughs> I have it hung up on my wall. I mean, it's like, it's, that's so important. I feel mm-hmm. like that's just so important. Absolutely. Well, then you, you do suffer the loss of your, of another pet. Waylon. And this, this brings us to this book. Uh, and yeah. the, that was sort of the surprise part of the book is, this isn't just mixed media visual work. This is also your writing as well. <laughs> well, and, kind of. Oh, wait. What do you mean, kind of? I mean, I'm a terrible writer. So I only did that. I'll preface this by I only put the writing in because I wanted to be brave the way I was when I first started photography. I was so brave. I mean, now I'm like embarrassed by the stuff that's out there from the beginning. But I wanted to have that same spirit with my writing because I'm not good yet i'm really i think the writing's beautiful what come on i'm not on. gonna let you i'm not gonna let you tear down your own writing <laughs> i'm in this not book. good yet i'm really i actually good. find it really interesting because it's all in a it's poetry and i would say poetry style yeah it's not really some of it, poems some but... of it reads as as really narrative obviously yeah. because you are telling some some story but it there's still a poetry style to like the rhythm of form. it i find well yeah, see absolutely. my my favorite poets are all so old like so the the style that i'm writing is so <laughs> Emily much dickinson oh uh... my god i mean i i love the romantics um mm-hmm. keats whitman longfellow we talked about yesterday yes, william yeah, blake yeah. oh my god brontes <laughs> I, I am a i'm really good at curating poetry mm-hmm. and i like that's my thing like i love literature but i'm not good at that it's weird to love something so much and not be great at it <laughs> 
it's like what <laughs> it's like i want to be so good at writing but honestly i would have to spend more time i think i could be decent if i spent a lot of time but i just mm-hmm. you know i just thought i would be brave so it's not sort of your writing it is your writing it's my writing but right? i'm not like good you know i'm not like <laughs> all right <laughs> i just wanted to be well, what brave. you do what you, what you have done in the book is you've weaved together this kind of feeling of, of almost uh, going through a grieving process with yeah. these images, these mixed media images, uh, nude portraits of women and women of different body types. And you have a, you know, you're using everything you've sort of done up to now comes out in this book, right? Mm-hmm. All the things you've been working towards. This is this is kind of showing Way- up in this book. Waylon right? was still alive when I had started the book. But I think... What, oh, okay. So I had that timeline a little well, off. Well, so, the timeline's so, a little yeah. off, but I think... What you're sensing with the darkness, I think this relates because when I first started, um, my friend Dan Esterbrook does alternative process printing of all types and he teaches Mm -hmm. and he's just an incredible artist on his own. He had told me early on because he was one of the only photographers that I really knew. I didn't really have friends in photography at that point in time and, and I didn't know almost anything about photography it's not the thing that inspires me the most, like oil paintings do and, and literature and, mm-hmm. and music. So I really like looked to him when he would give me advice or something. I really took it to heart. And he told me very early on, I see a lot of darkness in your work. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like <laughs> at this point, I was painting a lot of like rainbows. Thank God I let go of the rainbow. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you know, so oh, I, I literally a little rainbow, uh, well, a little rainbow <laughs> in right. the cover of the book. <laughs> oh my God. You're right. The rainbow made it onto my fucking cover. That's so funny. I think that's the only rainbow in the book. <laughs> I think so. Yes. <laughs> Dude, there was a period of rainbows. It's so embarrassing. Well, honestly, I, when I'm looking at the book, the word color no, is for just sure. everywhere. And that's I mean, what color, I was confused color, color. by. I, yeah, to, yeah. to me, I didn't understand what he was saying. Because I'm a very happy person in general. Like, I'm just generally really happy. And and so to me, I was like, I'm a color queen. What are you talking about? But darkness. You're not, but you're not unserious. Right? No, I, there's a, there's for a difference sure. between being a joyful person and also being, you know, and not being a, a serious. That's person. true. Yeah, but I don't yeah. think I had made that connection Mm-hmm. Yet. And so when he said that, I didn't understand that until Waylon died. And when I was editing, because mm. I edited and sequenced this book myself and he he died and I had to sit there, you know, for eight months and sequence this. And I and I was writing. That was when most of those things were written. And I was just in this pit, you know, of hell. I, I was lost to my own self literally. And so I started to see my work completely differently, which is what most artists do. Like most artists will tell you a lot of times you create stuff and you have no idea where it's coming from. You just, you're in the moment and there's this like mystical, magical thing that happens if you stay in the moment and you're creating really genuinely in the spirit of like, I don't know what's going to happen. And you just let it come and so sometimes people don't understand what they're making sometimes they do some people that's their thing but for me it's been you know maybe it hits you a week later maybe two years maybe 10 years and Mm -hmm. that that really hit me while I was going through this book I feel like this book has brought out a lot of deep understanding about myself things I've gone through and I realized that so much of this book is about 
I mean, I think it's like three things. It's really, like I've said recently, it's a love letter to women. It's a love letter to nature. And it's it's loneliness. It's it's loss. And it's also that the like the religious trauma that well, I'm going to call it trauma because that's what therapists told me. But that sounds so <laughs> it sounds so dramatic. <laughs> but hey, um, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. you know, it, it and it yeah. has been that has been a, a very difficult thing. And so I think it's that that's the book. It's like a bunch of different things. It's yeah. not it's well, not I, just I wanna, one thing. I want to circle back to the the religious trauma because I know we that that came up in our, our, yeah. our conversation yesterday. I do want to talk about that more. That, but that's like a very recent. I never even shared that until like two weeks ago. Yeah, but you know, the the, the connection I saw between the writing and the photographs was this idea of acceptance, this idea of a a kind of an emotionally healthy relationship with yourself and with others. Yeah. Um, And I think think that's part of, you know, the the thing you're doing with with the way you're presenting these women in the book as well. It was a, yeah, it's a way of, it's a way of figuring out how you feel about things, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like that's what art is. It's really therapy, you know? There's, there's a, there is a lot of... Well, so this just came up recently in a, in a conversation uh, of the, the, the show I produce for, for Sasha Wolf and that, um, with um, Tim Carpenter, mm. who says, you know, we are all damaged. He, when he teaches, he talks to his students, he says, you know, we are all damaged, and I would like to learn some of what your damage is through mm. your work. Yeah. Right. And that's a great way to think about it. Yeah, it is. And I, mm-hmm. I think um, I mean, there's so many different types of artists and I can really only speak to the ones that I know. My husband's an artist. All my friends are artists. So it's mm-hmm. like I feel like we all kind of feel the same thing and we all encourage each other. It's really nice to have artist friends because you can it's relatable. And when someone's down, you know, you lift them up and then when you're down, they lift you up because mm-hmm. the art life is really so much I don't know if I don't know because I haven't I'm not friends with a lot of like non-artists but like do people find a way to express all those things and work through them on a day-to-day basis in their lives I don't know maybe maybe therapy does that for them which is why I feel like art you're confronting all this stuff daily and you may not Mm -hmm. completely understand it but at some point at some point you do because yeah. you're constantly looking at your, you know, your work, whether that's like, sometimes you put something away, you don't look at it for three years, but you come back to it and you see it and you're like, oh my God, I know what I was going through then. And I yeah. get it. Well, that's the way I think about it. I don't think the actual art is therapy. I think the process is therapy. Yeah. The process making of making therapy. it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, when you're making it, most of the time you're not like, I know what this is. No, <laughs> like, not at all. You like have no idea. All. You're just no, going with it. No, most of the time I'm like, this is shit. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I'm doing this. That's right. That's, you have to like turn that part off. Totally. That's right. That's right. It's like, what the hell am I doing? Oh my God. It's hard to turn that stuff off, isn't it? It's like. Oh yeah. Except on the days where you're like, you, you know how you have, that's the thing with artists is they have these euphoric days where we're like, everything yeah. we do is fucking amazing. And then two yeah, days for, later, you look at it and you're like, yeah. that was fucking shit. <laughs> what was right. I thinking? That's right. So oh, yeah. no, dumb. No, sometimes it's finding the right spot and then you, you're so enamored with it. You, you it's a, it's what, a you roller coaster. Yeah, I think yeah. that that's, I think I listen to a lot of lectures while I paint Mm -hmm. like uh, that's like almost all I do or like in our time the BBC I love that podcast (laughs) Um, or like Malcolm Gladwell I mean I listen to a lot of lectures Uh, Yale has like an open courses that's incredible Mm -hmm. 
Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I've listened to all of those. So <laughs> I listen to a lot of different people talking and I, I feel like, you know, you just start to learn new things about yourself through hearing different perspectives and you could see different things that you make in different ways. And when you learn something new about some other subject, it really does change the way you see even your own work. Even if oh, you, absolutely. you know, so it's like, yeah. there's yeah. something kind of mystical about the creation of art in the process. But I also mm-hmm. think reading and listening to lectures and music are hugely important. I'm always amazed when I catch myself when I'm teaching how influenced I am by the thing I'm reading, the thi- the things Absolutely. I'm looking at, and how all of a sudden it seems like the most relevant thing I'm talking about, it's uh, making so these connections true. to new things I've just learned. And, and I, I hope and I think that makes me a better teacher because, you know, you got to keep learning. It's Absolutely. so true. I mean, uh, for, yeah, for yeah. instance, um, I made a new piece. It's like behind me. Um, can you see that? No, you can't. A little bit. Yeah, it's yeah. It's like really yep. hard to see, but it, it's like I made it in a moment. It took like 10 minutes, which doesn't usually happen. <laughs> and I realized later I was reading, <laughs> I was reading like um, sort of like a biography on the Impressionists. And I mm. like, it didn't hit me at the time. And I was like, dude, it's so obvious to me now what I was reading, like right, looking at that's that right. <laughs> That's right. Because <laughs> it's yes. like, it looks like, it almost looks like Edward Monk. Like it literally looks like it's not a person and it looks like just a painting. And I was like, man, that came out of nowhere. But it did well, I was a- reading... <laughs> From what I can see, you definitely have that impressionist lighting going on. The impressionist uh, idea of sunlight. Yes. Yeah, and and I've been <laughs> noticing. I think because I'm trying to move on from the 13 years or whatever of another world, I'm tr- I'm just trying to like really be free now and not. Oh, okay. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, and you have to change. You yeah. do have to change. But before before you move on from another world, we need to talk about yeah. it more. <laughs> <laughs> true but but um you know so you have these two great essays uh that i mentioned earlier from azu nuag bogu and thomas warner i met azu i met azu at it's so i was doing an exhibition with italian vogue in Mm. 2016 and the one of the editors kiara had us me and two other artists speak on a panel at at this big show um it was their first year of doing photo vogue which is so vogue magazine puts out this thing where they promote photography artists you know emerging artists and Mm. they're really incredible they if in in fact if any of your students even if they're not fashion you know centric they they should absolutely i still post on photo vogue Mm. I, i think it's really great and and they really support artists and so that was the first show that they had done and so I met him there. He's really good friends with Alessia Glaviano at Vogue. So he, we, oh, okay. we just stayed. In, we just stayed in touch. Like he's such an incredible. He's a curator. He he. You know, he's from Nigeria originally, but I knew that he would understand my work and write about it in a really like authentic and and like mm. straight from the heart kind of way. And we yes, we love all so. the same like yeah. writers and everything. So I was uh-huh. like. <laughs> Yeah. So it was well, really so, nice. Yeah, there's that essay in Thomas Werner, and Thomas. they both write about your work very differently. Yeah. Azu writes about your work and, and uses the word DNA as part of your process. Yeah. And it, it's really, really interesting. I thought it was interesting, too. Almost talking about your your work as ingredients that, that make up this DNA, yeah. which is really fascinating. And then 
Thomas talks about Thomas Warner talks about your work more from a almost like a bi- biographical standpoint, how you got from here to there, yeah, and the the influences in your life. But one of the things they both do is they both describe your process as this kind of organic process, as this this way that you create and put things together as coming from a very organic place, uh, mm-hmm. as coming from a very internal place. Yeah. So that was the the connection that I saw between the, yeah. the two writings. I think I think it obviously it must, but like if I'm being really honest, like when I'm creating, I really, really I've said it a million times, like I just I just want to be like a child. And I don't have hmm. children, so how I stumbled upon this <laughs> you know, it's like everybody knows. Well, children, you were a child. Well, yeah. Everybody knows we all lose that sense of like um, freedom. Uh, the older we get, we start caring about what people think. We're worried about if it's done well or not. You know, we're self-conscious. Like you don't mm-hmm. really have that when you're a kid. You're like, well, I guess maybe if you came, if you grew up in a very traumatic home, then maybe you do. And I'm so I'm speaking from like I feel like I had a fairy tale childhood for the most part. Like I had such a beautiful upbringing from my parents Mm. but you know i feel like when i sit down i want to be like a six-year-old when they're drawing they have crayons they're at a table they're so excited to draw and then they're having a good time they're not like oh my god should i use yellow should i use green no oh shoot i should use green i shouldn't you know they don't do that they just play and then when they're done they want to show everybody in the room how amazing it looks and they Mm -hmm. feel great about it and then two seconds later they're outside doing something else like that's what i want to do that's my goal when i get in my studio i just let go of everything that else that happened that day and i don't think about expectations i don't think about what people are going to think about it i don't think about what i'm going to think about it i just well that and that's what i meant by being unbound by tradition like i feel like you're not worried that putting this substance on this print you know is going to break some rules or something like that oh oh my god no i don't care about any of that (laughs) if that's what you mean by tradition yeah I i couldn't care less about that no does anybody worry about that these days, though? I feel like nobody cares about are, that. I think there are still... In the atelier world, yes. Practicing photography who who you know give themselves this certain amount of rules because it, it is bound within a certain tradition. Oh, like really? That. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't, I don't feel that. Mm-hmm. But I'm not strictly a photographer, and that's always sort of been, right. you know, tricky, too. So I don't know. No, no. It, I mean, your work is, is mixed media work. It yeah. is, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it yeah. may... it's tricky i feel like sometimes for me because well there's so many more people doing it now in the last like especially the last five years i feel like it's like all of a sudden everybody's doing that and i'm so excited because i feel like it'll make it easier for people Mm -hmm. to understand like to understand my works because that that has been tricky because i always the thing is i'm so mixed media and i'm probably closer to a painter than i am photography in the sense that like my pieces are big heavy pieces like they have to be crated you know shipped mm-hmm. and when i do these shows it's like they literally are just making beautiful archival prints at a fancy archival printing place and then you give it it's cheap it's cheap i say compared to what i do where you know right. to ship one of these it's almost $2000 just to mm. ship it uh, where you could send five prints, even if they're medium size, to London for maybe five hundred dollars. Express a, mail, yes. Yeah. So you know it's it's hard, but like every magazine I've ever done press with, I'm always in the photography section, and so it's like 
there is yeah. a complication for me in people understanding and you know like it is it's just a little bit harder uh to be in a, mm-hmm. a niche of something that people don't fully understand i i can imagine and then now it's in a book uh yeah. as well and you know it it came you know across my way as a, as a photography book right like so you know when, i guess when yeah I, yeah. I know. See, it's like, because cause it's not just painting. It's, yeah, it's, right. it is what it is. It's just. Well, um, so, so Azu writes about it as a ethereal variety of landscape, women's bodies, which are the focus of the images yeah. uh, in this book. There's a sensual celebration of fleshy reality in different poses, writhing, contorted, proudly upright or lying in relaxed repose. Sounds like Titian. Doesn't yes. it make you think of a oh, Titian yeah. painting? Absolutely. Painted on color is used to accentuate these differences and at the same time highlight that women's bodies, regardless of their desirability or conformity to yeah. conventional beauty ideals, have an absolute validity of existence, independent of the uh, objectifying male gaze. Yeah. Right? So these are, you, you have this kind of open invitation uh, for people to be models in, in your what starts out as photography right and then yeah. you you travel to these sort of big landscapes isolated landscapes yep and and then you make this work and then you bring it back and you this is when the, the sort of second half of the process yep. starts right you right. you do the the large print and then then you have to make a lot of a lot more decisions so there's there's a yeah. lot of decisions up front and there's a lot more decisions uh in the back half too right yeah and how does that all work? I mean, how does it, all these different decisions about color and what you're going to do and, and, and the original poses and the original landscapes? Po- so the poses, so landscapes is the beginning. Landscapes, mm-hmm. I just sit on Google and I just, I'll, I'll spend, Earth. I'll spend <laughs> like a week just looking for landscapes. You know, I, I end so up you, on. you're scouting. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I end up on these like forums where people talk about the best trails and, you know, mm. like I go deep <laughs> because, you know, you can't drive to all these places beforehand, or at least I can't because I feel scared to drive those places alone. And they're usually like mm-hmm. six hours away. And in the beginning years, I did drive to scout them myself. And I would like get stuck on the side of the road with a flat tire, you know, and I just like got scared of that. Mm-hmm. So now I just do it online and I hope for the best. I have my girl with yeah. me, we drive and I'm like, I hope I've certainly <laughs> driven places and like the park is closed, you know, these national oh, parks. I've, okay. And you just, in fact, the early days, it was huge on Tumblr. I had this image called lips and it was like my first like quote unquote hit. It was like mm-hmm. everywhere on Tumblr, but nobody knew who made it, you know, back in Tumblr days. And that was simply because we got kicked out of a park. Like, well, you're not allowed to take photos nude or do whatever. And so we got kicked out. And so we just oh. pulled over on the side of the road. Then I just pulled out a prism hmm. and shot that. You know, so you just have to wing it when things like that happen. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And and you have no vetting process, meaning there there's no rejection, right? Oh, like no. somebody wants to do it, you will... you. That's your model for the day. Actually, I used to be really weird about it. Like, I, <laughs> I went through a phase where I was like, I want to just not even know what they look like. I, I don't do that mm. now because I've, I had two instances where actually the person scared me. So 
Oh, oh, right. True, these are, because they're, oh, these are strangers. I didn't even think about that. There is the stranger. Yes. Right, right, right. And yes, you're going yes. in the middle right. of nowhere. Like, right, no reception. Right. Half the, like, when you go to somewhere like Death Valley, there's mm-hmm. no reception. So, good luck. Oh, I actually have geez, a, yeah. a GPS, like this tracker. It's like a. So, you might actually be tra- driving your murderer out to a I'm remote location. I'm not kidding. Location. Like, it, after I had these two weird incidents, I literally was like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Like, it really freaked me out. Oh. Oh, no. So, <laughs> so I got this like tracker thing and it's like a satellite tracker. So I press mm-hmm. the button like every like 10 minutes for my mom, my husband, everybody knows where I am. Um, yeah, because it, you know, I got. Be- no, I, that's right. That's before, not, I mean, I'm laughing, but that's, that's a it real is thing. funny, yes. though. I yes, mean, yes. before yeah. it happened, I was going through this period where I was like, I, I don't like. I don't want people to feel, I was feeling like I didn't want anyone else to feel like I was rejecting them if I didn't get, because a lot of times I'll just go first come, first serve, whoever comes into my email. And so I would, there were at least two times where I just picked people up and I didn't even, I was like, oh shit, like I don't know what they look like. Because sometimes they'll forget to send a photo or a link and I feel weird being like, hey, can you send a photo? Because I don't want them if... For, if, if for some reason I didn't email back, they'll be like, oh my God, she didn't think I looked pretty enough for something, you know? Oh, and so right, I was right. feeling really funny about it. So if they didn't have a photo, I wouldn't, I would just mm-hmm. be like, okay. So there were a couple of times <laughs> where like I had no idea who I was picking up, but I knew that that didn't really matter. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what they look like. You know, I'm here to, to take a female form and, and we make mm-hmm. something beautiful of it, you know? But there right. have been a couple weird things or, or like I've had someone who really was so unkind and that I just mm. I actually just never used the photo for like two years because I was like I had this negativity built around the photo. And for me, it's all feeling. But I ended up I ended up like we ended up, you know, coming to terms with whatever. And, and I ended up using the images. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, it's so much about how I feel. Or I've also had an, a situation where. Because people tell me things in the car rides. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot of times six hour drives. Just Oh, oh wow. Oh, absolutely. So, that's normal. So if there was no getting to know the person beforehand, you are that's on the when way you, there. That's, well, yeah. that's what I mean when it's like the book. It's so much about that, too, because I don't mm. know these people. And I have minimum three hours. That's probably the shortest trip we ever do. But six mm-hmm. is normal. Uh, and mm. that's just one way, by the way. That's two. <laughs> and then, you know, you oh, shoot and right. then you drive back. So, <laughs> right. Oh, so you have the, you have the experience then of oh working with this person and then you have the drive back. And people wow. tell me, I think there's a couple of things going on there. I think I'm a really warm person and, and mm-hmm. I, I think I'm really good at, I, I am actually really good at listening and I, I want to hear their story if they want to tell, like if they're just divulging stuff, I'm going to be, you know, mm-hmm. empathetic and listen and whatever. But I think also, you know, you if you're shooting a nude, maybe you've never shot a nude, like this is probably a really scary thing and you're probably feel compelled to like talk to this person that's going to be doing yes. this intimate thing. Right. And they probably just tell me stuff they maybe wouldn't tell a normal stranger <laughs> because we're doing <laughs> no, this right. intimate thing. Right. So it, it must be some of that too, because honestly, people tell me stuff and it's, I even got to a point at one point where I was like, this is all too heavy because like I said, like I had a really fairy tale childhood, like no, tra- no trauma that I understood until much later with the religious stuff. But I didn't understand that until much later. So, mm. you know, I'm hearing people's stories that are really hard. And I think that there were maybe two times that I felt weird 
going into the images after with their nude bodies, knowing some of the trauma they'd been through. Mm. I didn't know if I could, you know, because I, I think about that stuff and like, I don't want someone to do something out of like them trying to figure it out and then maybe regret it. I don't know. I just Mm -hmm. felt, I don't know why I felt there was something that said, just you take on the kind of additional responsibilities. Yes. Absolutely. That were maybe not part of the original Um, thought process. Absolutely. I a thousand percent feel that. Mm -hmm. And, and I've had, I've had someone ask me, years later like hey i don't feel comfortable with nudes now and i just take it down like that part mm-hmm. of it really matters to me even if it's my favorite image like that i under, i get it we change and right. you know yeah so it can be heavy to be honest at times and that's fine that's yep it's just life and then you so you have all of that you have you yeah. have this like what sounds like a, a 15 hour experience with this person making yeah. this image. Isn't that crazy? And then, yeah. And then when you come back, you, and it, like I was saying before, you have, you have a lot more decisions to be made. So then yeah. what is the, you know, the acrylics and the paints and everything yeah. else? What, like what goes into that? Decision so process? I think that having said all that, most everybody who shoots with me knows you may not have a face mm-hmm. after you may be a different color. Like it's not about you looking pretty. You may look I like don't you have want to make them look ugly, right? but you do multiple images too sometimes of the people. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. But I just, I think like they have to free me up to just do anything. Cause, mm-hmm. and that, that's a gift. Like I consider that such a gift, but I also like can't shoot with someone who can't give me that. So it's like, I consider it, I'm so grateful and it's such a gift, but I also like, I have to have that mm-hmm. because I can't otherwise, otherwise I'd just be doing commercial shots. Like, but that's not right. how my brain works. I have to just be free. So what I do usually, I'm changing it up lately, but I'll just talk about what I've done in the last 14 years, is I print them out on eight and a half by 11. That way I don't feel scared to make mistakes. I say mistakes, like there should be no mistakes. And that's why I make them small first, because mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to be precious with the cost of the paper or the ink that I use for my printing, all that stuff. So I, I'll make, you know, as many copies as I need to until I feel like, ooh, I love that. And then when I hmm. love it, I go big. And usually four feet, six feet, 10 feet, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And then is a, I have to replicate oh, okay. it. Yes, and and that, that's when it's right. like, fuck, you cannot make a yeah. mistake. Because <laughs> those prints are expensive. So, <laughs> so there's, there's like such layers to my process, you know, but like mm-hmm. that's the scariest one. Actually, the scariest right. one is varnishing. Because you literally very easily can fuck that up. And I have mm. many times and then I have to start all over. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I because hate the varnish, varnish should be the last step, right? I hate varnish. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really hate varnish, but I, like I really mm-hmm. need it. Otherwise, it'll scratch. There's, right. You know? Oh, no. And lately yeah, yeah. I've been doing epoxy resin, which I love because it feels so protected and it feels so like. Oh, that's like interesting. Like this whole you, thing. Uh, oh, I you, love it. You're, you're pouring epoxy and then using a vibrating table to get all the air bubbles out, all that stuff? Or are you using um, as a coating? I'm not, like doing, a I'm not doing hardcore vibrating table. That, I've oh, never even okay. heard of that. <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> are you doing thick epoxy or so, thin So Yeah, no, it's, they're thick. Um, I do like pff, sometimes three layers. Um, I use the oh, blowtorch wow. thing, which is so oh, fun. Okay. And I yeah. don't care about a couple bubbles here yeah, yeah, no, here the and torch there. will also remove. I love, like, I try to get all of them out with the blowtorch, but I actually, Mm -hmm. I really love texture and I love seeing little things. Like, 
Um, even if a dog's hair gets stuck in it, I'm like, oh, <laughs> like I wish more of them had Waylon's hair in them. But yeah, I'm not. Uh. I'm kind of like. I know Sally Mann's like that. Like she, she loves the imperfections. Like I, I agree with her on that. Like it adds something. It's so human. Um, right. But yeah. Do you have a kind of color mapping idea in your mind when you're doing this? No. Do you map um, colors to emotions or ideas? I get, a, or? I get obsessed with colors. I, I noticed mm. that through editing and sequencing. Mm-hmm. It taught me like what I need to stop doing. The, like mm-hmm. editing the book was such a huge... It felt like I was taking a course at college in learning about everything I did wrong. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't have classes on composition. So... I was like going through the book and I was like, why the hell is everything in the middle? (laughs) (laughs) And then like, I literally, you know, I started, I bought a book somewhere down the line, like while I was editing and I was like, oh my God, you're not supposed to do things in the middle. And Brett was like, Shay, don't start thinking like that. He's like, you want it in the middle, you want it in the middle. I was like, yeah, but apparently that's like the worst thing you could do. (laughs) I always tell my students, um, what the rules are, but I always say, you know, break all rules them. are meant to be yeah. broken well. Well, Just break I, you them know, well. yeah. since editing the book, I have toned that down. Like now when mm-hmm. I shoot, I have not always, <laughs> now I'm like, I don't think I've shot one in the middle in a long time because I'm like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. The other thing is like, you start to notice certain poses that you've done over, do I have any other poses that I want people to do? Jesus, they're all like laying down. Mm-hmm. So like you learn that stuff. It's really important I think to learn that, I wish I had learned that sooner. I realized that I get really obsessive with certain colors. Like if I'm in a yellow phase, mm-hmm. everything's yellow and black. <laughs> so you just go through these different, like right now I'm having a green moment. And I looked in the room the other day because I was getting shot for a magazine. I'm looking behind you, by yeah, the way. It's like green yeah. everything. And I was like, Jesus, there's two more on the other side of the room. I'm like, calm down with the green shade. I get really apparently like fixated on color, a certain color. I don't mm-hmm. know why it's really weird. And what are you yeah. going to do? This is going to, I'm sorry, listeners, but I'm looking at work uh, over your shoulders right now yeah. and you're in the green phase <laughs> and they, they look, they look like they, they read as sort of night imagery, right? Yeah. I do that a lot with charcoal. Mm-hmm. I never, oh, okay. I never shoot night shots. I black out the sky to mm. make it look like night. And, and yeah. I'll go in, yeah. I'll go into Photoshop. Uh, I'll use that as, you know how people use that as a dark room. And if I, because mm-hmm. I desaturate most of the images either entirely or partially. Depends on what I'm going for. There's, I have a couple images where I didn't want to touch the skin and I just wanted it to be skin tone. So I'll just desaturate right. everything around it. Like if you see right, skin right, right. tone in the book, I most likely only went over it with a very light wash of something mm-hmm. and left it um, and then desaturated everything around it. So I use Photoshop to do all that but yeah these so like these were all black and white completely oh, okay there's a, a, a monochromatic quality to them yeah um which kind of reads as as night as well when you sort of yeah. start, start to lose the ability to perceive color Th- this one up yeah. here which you can't really see i posted a video of it recently on instagram i didn't think about it while i was doing it but i mean I, I do think your favorite artists do seep in. Like I try not, when I'm creating, I try not to look at anything. I even try to stay <laughs> off Instagram. I don't want to subconsciously like be affected by things. Um, mm. But you know, like I am, my whole house is full of books and I feel yeah. like I'm in this phase where I'm like, 
there's like almost no faces and i'm like god am i in like a vouliard like monk face like everything <laughs> everything is like faceless it's so i don't know i'm probably when, when you i think when you you do it long enough and you're kind of in the art world long enough it's it's impossible it's you're, just you're yeah it's just gonna be affected and i think you should just embrace it but i'm yeah. having fun with the faceless <laughs> stuff i don't know but um mm-hmm. but yeah they're they're lately they're feeling very impressionistic i'm kind of getting rid of a lot of faces right now but um mm-hmm. but yeah i mean i just kind of wing it i'm all about winging <laughs> it but technique is really important to me like my process i do sound sort of like oh whatever i'm a fairy but like <laughs> technique is really important to me like the technique that i've come to i well that's clear in the work yeah i mean it's clear in the but work. it's just you hustle you work hard i build my wood frames you know yeah. i actually love doing that 90 degree angles are hard i'd love to get better at that but I, I kind of, that's what I like about not just being a photographer. I like the mixed media aspect. I like working with wood. I like working with epoxy. I like working, with, mm, you know, like mm. I like getting my hands dirty. The yeah, physical. I think that's clear. Yeah. Yep. I had just uh, one more thought about color that I forgot to mention earlier. Th- there is this kind of um, explosion of color and embracing of, of the, the female form. And, you know, in this book, there, there's as much as there's the serious nature and grieving process in the book, it also feels very celebratory in, it, yeah. in its use of color and form oh, I'm as glad, well. And, I'm glad you feel that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm hoping that women feel that when they, I, I hope mm-hmm. they, they feel proud, you know, to be a woman. And like, I, I love when women tell me they feel seen in my work. Mm-hmm. Like, I love, that's, the best compliment I could ever get. Mm-hmm. So not that I want to end on a on a traumatic note, but are you, you know, going there? <laughs> well, several times it's come up that part part of this work did come out of yeah. exploring you know things that you've experienced. You did with save religion. that for last. You hilarious. Yes, I did. Jesus. <laughs> Speaking of Jesus. Um, so, <laughs> so yes. Yeah, so the the religious thing. To be really honest, I didn't even understand it. Like, okay, so my parents are incredible. I'm actually best friends with both my parents. They're like, they're amazing. And they've Mm -hmm. always been really like liberal, liberal Christian, I guess I could say. Like, they never had an issue with homosexuality ever. Like, you know, like, and that's like a a thing that people always think of with Christians. Mm -hmm. They were just always like, come one, come all. You know, and we always had people living like I remember growing up, we had random people off the streets, like staying with us like they're they were hippies, you know. So like I grew up with this sense of like empathy and just helping people and volunteering like they're just the best humans I know. But what some people would call true Christianity. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) That's right. I mean, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. They helped everybody they still do and it's like Mm -hmm. my parents are like the best people i know but they decided that we would start going to church when i hit around 13 and we didn't really go to church before that so i guess maybe when i was a little kid we might have but like i think they got hurt or something by a church so they just stopped going and so i wasn't raised in the church so i'm 13 that's like when your hormones are you know all that that's starting And we start going to this church, which of course was new to them as well. Mm. And there's a youth group and there's this like section for kids to go on like Wednesday nights and you just meet up and you talk about maybe the Bible, whatever. And they're just other Christian kids at your church. And so that was my first time around the church. And my parents had no idea what I was learning in there. You know, I think they just Mm. assumed that it was safe or whatever. And, um, and also 
I started homeschooling right around that time. So those were really the only kids outside of like my theater friends. It, it which also all my theater friend kids uh, at school uh, or the camp that I went to, like they were all gay. So mm-hmm. you know if if they were guys, so. If you put that together, it's like these Christian kids on the one hand, and then any boys yeah. you're around from your other group are just all gay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so not only did I not date until I hit 20, um, I, I really just learned some very, I, what I would call toxic things, detrimental to just learning about your sexuality. Like we, right. we were taught, like, first of all, we weren't allowed to wear shorts because mm-hmm. you would make the men and the boys stumble. Um, mm. You know, like it was, it was this big thing about like modesty, obviously it was during the purity. There was, it was called the purity movement and it was like Reagan. Right, there were purity pledges, right? Yes. Like Reagan mm-hmm. in the eighties started this thing, even through like secular schools, trying mm. to put this abstinence first. Like they were really oh, right. pushing abstinence. Right. Uh, I mean, I guess they were big on the, like trying to keep people off drugs as well in the eighties, but like abstinence was also really pushed and I remember. it made it yeah. into a book. I think about the purity movement. It became like a thing in the nineties and they really pushed it. It was the rise this. of the moral majority and the Christian right and politics. I think yeah. it was a response. Yep. I, I heard on like NPR, it was a response to the sixties and seventies of like free love. It was like their Most response of- <laughs> to it. Because those I think people, most of the conservative movement in this country has still been a response yeah. to the sixties and seventies. <laughs> yeah, and so like that—that that was a real thing. I mean, I mean, a lot of the kids like they wouldn't hold anyone's hand. You weren't supposed to kiss anyone. Like you mm. were taught that any of any sexual thought in your head, lust, anything, you're like sinning. You're going to go to hell. Like this is all bad. And I mean, this, the amount of stuff that I I heard. It was so detrimental to a child forming thoughts mm-hmm. around sexual. I mean, that's the age you start, right? Like, it's like you're taught, you're literally turned to, taught to turn it off completely. And if you even right. think of anything, like no masturbation, no orals, I mean, like crazy. And I mean, that, that affects you. How does it not affect yes. you, you know? And I didn't well, it's, really it's understand. Repression. It's, yes. I mean, it, yeah, it's. Yeah. I didn't fully understand because you're just a kid and you're just living it, right? Like when I hit 20 and I started dating, I had my first boyfriend, which is my husband now. He's the only person I've ever kissed or anything. Like, and he he's like my whole world. I Thank God I ended up with like such a cool dude. He's incredible. <laughs> but he was raised around that too. His parents were pastors, mm-hmm. like, you know, and it was difficult. But I mean, I think right. I think that it, it really was a problem for years and like without just going into de- detail, I feel like the only thing that started to help me was to like smoke weed. Mom, if you're listening, mm. you already know I smoke weed sometimes. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't smoke weed all the time, but like, you know, on date night, I love to smoke weed because it's one of the only <laughs> things that or drinking that gets me out of my head mm. from from all that bullshit. And that's that was the first time that I actually could like enjoy that part Mm -hmm. of being married and it's like that's so fucked up that you'd have to do you have something else to get out of your head and Mm -hmm. so that was you know i started talking to to a woman about it and she was like you know that's the the trauma that i see with a lot of people who are sexually abused it's it's obviously an extremely different 
thing. It's I was never sexually abused, um, mm-hmm. but some of the symptoms end up looking the same. And so, I mean, I really, I still like I was talking to someone recently, they said, you should try EMDR because, you know, for years I just have felt broken. Like I thought, what's wrong with me? You know? And it's been this like really sad thing because I don't want to feel broken, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know? It's like really sad for me that that's like, I can't undo it. Like how do you you don't just undo it? So I think like when I started out with photo, I really wanted to shoot nudes. Obviously, if you're into art history, which I'm an art history freak, like I, mm. I devour lectures and books on, I, I read so many biographies. Like I, I just am very like academic about that stuff. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, you know, I love the female form and, um, and I really wanted to, but I was really nervous. So after like two or three years, I finally was like, Hey mom and dad, do you like, would you be super offended? Like, yeah, I'm an adult and I'm asking my parents, would they be offended? That's like, right. <laughs> it's crazy. And they were like, what are you talking about? It's fine. And I was like, what? Really? So that gave me this like sense of freedom to just do it. But the fact that I even, you know, felt like I had to ask, well, I mean, I guess I just really respect my parents, but like they didn't care. Yeah. And yeah. so I think that was a, I didn't realize it at the time until, you know, the last few years, but I, I think it was a real form of healing for me to to take the body back. I still mm-hmm. haven't fully done this for myself, but for shooting other women, nude was a big deal for me. And making sure, you know, that I think I've always made this point. It's not sexual, which my husband said is probably like part of that trauma, too. Like, I always make a point to tell everybody this isn't meant to be sexual. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like, that's obviously like a leftover of that mentality. But like, yeah, it just, I think it's brought me a lot of healing because it, the, it's a step. It's not like completely gone yet, but it's a, it's a step right. towards healing and realizing like, it's okay to show your body. It's okay. You know, like all that's okay. And yeah. And there's also a difference between wanting to be sexual, feeling sexual and being sexualized. Right. Yeah. And that's true too. And I'm obviously yeah. very, I also like was raised with someone who was raped. So like you add that to the whole list of like fear, Mm -hmm. like I have a lot of fear around that. So it's kind of like, I obviously have a really messed up inner dialogue formed around like bodies and sexuality, which Mm -hmm. I think this book has helped like making these images all these years has helped. It's just been a, it's been a way of working towards freedom. Right. And I mean, even like last summer, this sounds so silly. I bought like a, not a thong, but like, you know, those like cheeky bikinis where it like kind of shows your butt a little, they're real popular right now. I literally bought one and was like, I've never worn anything like that. And I, I, I was like, okay. And you were in Europe doing modeling. I know, but I never did anything risque. <laughs> That's and right. My agents hated right. me over it. It was like, that was a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. Like I went to the Ace in Palm Springs and Brett's like, Shay, nobody gives a shit. Like nobody's looking at you. <laughs> you know, and I was like, reality check. Thanks. Like 44 years old. And I'm like putting on this bathing suit. And to me, I have a pit, like a pit in my stomach and it feels mm. like the most insane thing I've ever done. I shoot nudes and I'm like in a bikini that shows my butt a little bit. Like that's, you know, that (laughs) stuff just is hard. It it is a long road. It's a long road. I mean, I I, I shared this with you uh, yesterday as well, that I am also in recently in therapy. And uh, the, the thing that I always think about is, 
all this time? <laughs> like, why, yeah. why wasn't I dealing with this earlier? All these it's things, It's a shame. Right? Like, yeah. I yeah. feel like, like I did an article, I told you, with a magazine. Like, Vogue was the first one that I shared this with. You know, I've done mm-hmm. all this press and it's been like you do all this press and it comes out like a week or two, two weeks, three weeks later or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know why I just assumed everyone would would understand. And like I was very scared to, to mm-hmm. say any of this because I really like my family's still in the church. My husband's parents are still in the church. Um, mm-hmm. I still have faith. Uh, it doesn't look the same as it did before. And, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But like, I don't want to offend anyone. I'm not like trying to like paint everything with one brush like you know every mm-hmm. church is different every like maybe i ended up with just a really shitty leader <laughs> you know mm-hmm. like but yeah. you know that's i think when they go to write an article like one came out the other day and i was really shocked by what i read like it, yes i said all those things but the way it was sort of like i don't know the way that they put it into an article was like it was like that was what the book was about completely and i'm like that's i know not this the wasn't meant book. to be an anti-religion diatribe yeah, right, like that's right. not my whole book yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> and you know and it was like it was very clickbaity title and i was like all right i get why uh, they yeah. went with that but like right that really bummed me out and i'll probably yeah. i was so excited because it's like one it was in my top five favorite magazines but mm-hmm. you know also, fair mm-hmm. enough. Like, if you say it, they can do whatever. Yep. But I was bummed because that's not the, the whole story. Like, that's... No, it, it is... Multi- I mean, like your work, this book is multi-layered. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, if you've listened to the whole show, you know that this book is multi-layered. So. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, so, like, I wasn't sure. Like, should I even share that anymore? Like, I said to a friend yesterday, I'm like, I just don't even know. Like, is it even... What's the point of... Like, I don't want people to think I'm shitting on religion a b i don't mm-hmm. want to be a victim like i just mm-hmm. was sharing when someone actually asked the question in these interviews like about the nude form i'm like well but the truth is that was like a form of you know it has been a form of healing but i'm not like walking yeah. around all day with like religious trauma <laughs> no, you know right, like right, i'm not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes it's something i still have to work through and i hope that i can find complete freedom from it you know mm-hmm. sooner than later and I'm a happy person, but like, yeah, okay, it happened. And and hopefully it doesn't happen to a million other people. Like, I do think it's cool that in the last few days since this article came out, I have heard from a lot of women. I actually am surprised by how many people have been DMing me to tell me, like, it moved them because that's something that they don't talk about either. And I was like, all right, well then, fine. I'm glad then the article yes. came out that way because maybe those people needed to hear it. But, you no, know. I think I think that's right. I think... Um I think when you do share things that are, are really honest and and really meaningful, uh, you're going to find people who have those experiences who yeah. feel like they're heard and yeah. seen. Absolutely. But I'm not letting yeah. my dad read any of them. I told my mom, I was like, please don't. Because he still doesn't even know. Like, I had to call my oh. mom and be like, hey, by the way. Because I'd never talked about it. Mm. You know? My dad's funny, though. Right. He's so surprised. <laughs> my whole house is full of newts, but it's like, he's so supportive of it. And it's kind of cute. Cause I would say he's more conservative in that area. Like mm-hmm. he's full, he's been the most supportive person there possibly is about all this stuff, but I don't think he prefers to see all the nudes. So mm-hmm. every now and again, I'll notice like if I go to their house, there'll be like a plant right in front of <laughs> the nude body. And I'm like, dad, come on. <laughs> Literally right, right in front funny. of that. I'm like, oh my God, come on. <laughs> 
He's creating his own landscape with your work. <laughs> or like if my if my nephew will come over, he's like young. They'll like all of a sudden I've noticed that certain pieces are in the back room, and I'm like, Are you serious? Come on. <laughs> So they oh, still they still sort funny. of do it, but they're they're so supportive. It's cute. That's great. It's that so funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the book is fantastic. The work thank is you. amazing, and thank you for sharing all of it, including your stories. And uh, this has been just so wonderful. So thank you. Thank you for having me on. My pleasure. Such an honor. Pleasure. Yeah, uh, and uh, I could talk to you for another hour. I want to I get you point. hooked in with some of my friends. <laughs> Hey, I'm all for it. Azu I would love and Thomas. It. That would be fantastic. So yeah. thank you again. Thank you. Right. Bye. Bye, everyone. Real Photo Show is produced by me, Michael Chovan Dalton. Music by Matteo Chovan Dalton. You can find bonus content from the show on our YouTube channel. Just search for Real Photo Show. The podcast can be found on all your favorite podcast players. And please rate the show with all the stars available on your preferred player. 